This is a talk on a paper written by Jonathan Edwards called The Duty of Charity to the Poor, or sometimes shortened to Christian Charity. 1 Timothy 6 verse 17 says this, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. By pretty much every measure, we at Christchurch Bromley, or at least most of us at Christchurch Bromley, are those who are rich in this world. Never has there been a time where so many people have enjoyed such luxury. We live <laughs> like the kings of old. Now the world says the way to enjoy those riches is to spend it on ourselves and enjoy good things or to save it for later so that we can do that when we're older. But 1 Timothy 6 commands us not to put our hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put our hope in God and so to be rich in good works, to be ready to share. And that is in fact the way we enjoy those riches. It's the funny thing with money. The most enjoyable thing we can do with it is give away, give it away. The safest thing we can do of it is give it away. And yet if you're anything like me, you will be so slow to give it away because you find it so easy to put your hope in wealth, so easy to think that holding on to it will keep you safe and make you happy when it will only pierce us with many pangs. Edwards in this paper helps us. It is a hard paper. The overall title of Edwards' paper is this. It is the most absolute and indispensable duty of a people of God to give bountifully and willingly for the supply of the wants of the needy. The, 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 sorry, the fuller title of the paper, I should say, is The Duty of Charities to the Poor Explained and Enforced. And I want to look at it for three reasons. Firstly, for the reason that I want us to obey our Lord in this matter. Uh, this is something I, th I think I missed as a young Christian. I, I knew it was infinitely better to be a believer without a penny to my name than the richest unbeliever in the world. And so I think I assumed, therefore, that the only worthy objects of giving were gospel endeavours. But it, that is simply not what the Bible teaches. Now, it's true that it is infinitely better to be a poor Christian than a rich non-Christian. It is true that the great mission of the church in this world is to make disciples of all nations. And it is true that we must lay down our lives to pray, to speak, and to give to this end. But one of the most important commands of Jesus that we are to obey and to teach the world to obey is to be generous to the poor, and we must therefore give to both. Secondly, I, I wanted to do this now because I want to encourage uh, good works that's been going on. It's been so wonderful to hear of so much practical love going on in lockdown. And the aim here is not at all to undermine that, not to slap us down, but to spur us on to more love and good deeds as we come out of lockdown. And thirdly, as we do both these things, that we may take hold of that which is truly life. Edward's paper has four sections. He, he begins with an exposition of Deuteronomy 15. Then he moves to show that generosity to the board is binding on Christians today. Then he gives biblical motivations to obedience and then he answers some objections. I will try and give us a very brief overview. I'm massively shortening what he says. So if you want to, please do feel free to turn, turn me off. You can find Christian Charity online for free 
And uh, if you read that, I would be absolutely uh, delighted uh, if you read that instead of listening to this. But um, as we begin, let me read Deuteronomy 15, verses 7 to 11, which is his main text. If among you one of your brothers should become poor in any of your towns within your land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother, but you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. Take care, lest there be an unworthy thought in your heart, and you say, The seventh year, the year of release, is near, and the eye, your eye look grudgingly on your poor brother, and you give him nothing. And he cries to the Lord against you, and you be guilty of sin. You shall give to him freely, and your heart shall not be grudging when you give to him. Because for this the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all that you undertake. For there will never cease to be poor in the land. Therefore I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy and the poor in your land. So first section, expounding Deuteronomy verses, uh, 15 verses 7 to 11. Edwards writes, The duty here commanded of us is giving to the poor. If among you one of your brothers should become poor, you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. Hereby your poor brother, it is to be understood the same as in other places is meant by neighbour. It is explained in Leviticus 25.35 to mean not only those of their own nation, but even strangers and foreigners. The Pharisees interpreted Deuteronomy 15 to mean that they should only show generosity to those in their own nation. But Christ condemns this interpretation in the parable of the Good Samaritan and teaches, in contradiction to their opinion, that the rules of charity and the law of Moses are to be extended to Samaritans who were their enemies. Edwards goes on to observe in this passage that this duty is insisted on. It is repeated over and over again in the strongest terms. And there are strict warnings against objections. And there are several enforcements by which I mean, I think he means strong motivations to obey. Uh, and, it, and he notices that it's a, it's a high calling that's been uh, told to us here, that we are to give sufficient for the need of our needy brother, expecting nothing in return. And so he writes from this account, the doctrine is obvious that it's the absolute and indispensable duty of the people of God to give bountifully and willingly for supplying the wants of the needy. Let's move to section two where he writes, this really is an obligation on Christians to give to the poor. He, he does here a, a sort of a brief Bible overview. He it says it's mentioned in scripture, not only as a duty, but a great duty. Micah 6 verse 8, it says, what does the Lord require of you to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God? Now you have to understand here that Edwards understands mercy as seeing someone in need and moving to help them. He understands it very much as a summary of Deuteronomy 15, verses 7 to 11. And I think that is a very reasonable definition. Generally speaking, in the scriptures, grace is kindness to someone who doesn't deserve it. Mercy is kindness to someone in a desperate position. And so to love mercy is to love to see someone in need and to, well, not to love seeing them in need, but to, to love to move to help someone in need as, as best we can. It is to love to do Deuteronomy 15. And Edwards writes to love mercy as one of the three great things that are the sum of all religion. He writes, this is repeated in James 1 verse 27. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress. Do you notice the link with mercy there? And to keep oneself from being unpolluted by the world. 
Christ tells us it's one of the weightier matters of the law. Matthew 23, 23, you're straining out gnats and swallowing camels. You tithe dill, but you've admitted the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. The scriptures again and again teach us that it is a more weighty and essential thing than the attendance of outward ordinances of worship. For example, Hosea 6, 6, I desired mercy and not sacrifice, which Jesus quotes twice in Matthew 9, 13 and 12, 7. Edwards writes, and this is his contention, I know of scarce any duty which is so much insisted on, so pressed and urged upon us both in the Old Testament and New as this duty of charity to the poor. Now, friends, let's be really clear here. This is the guy who preached sinners in the hands of an angry God. Edwards thought evangelism and giving to the gospel was really, really really important. He believed in heaven and he believed in hell. He knew the priority of spiritual need over physical need and he oversaw not one but two revivals. This guy is not for ditching the gospel and just doing good works. And yet this is what he says about giving to poor. He says, I, I find it hard to think of anything more, more insisted upon in the scriptures. Scarce any duty. At this point, he, he, he sort of asks, why would that be? Why does, would that make sense? And he says, this is, this is most reasonable. It is most reasonable considering the general state and nature of mankind that they're made in the image of God. He says, our neighbor is made in the image of God, and so therefore they are worthy of our love. And we are made in the image of God, who is love. A selfish spirit, he writes, is very unsuitable to the nature and state of mankind. He who is all for himself and none for his neighbours, fits in better among wild beasts. To love our neighbours ourselves as the sum of the moral law respecting our fellow creatures, and to help them and to contribute to their relief, is one of the most natural expressions of this love. And secondly, he says it's reasonable, especially reasonable, considering our circumstances in the gospel, consider how much God has done for us, how greatly he's loved us, what he has given us when we were so unworthy and when we could do nothing to add to his happiness. Consider that silver and gold and earthly crowns were in his esteem but mean things to give us and he has therefore given us his own son. Christ loved and pitied us when we were poor and he laid out himself to help and even shed his own blood for us without grudging. He did not think much to deny himself and to be at great cost for us vile wretches in order to make us rich and to clothe us with kingly robes when we were naked, to advance us from the dunghill and set us among princes, and to make us to inherit the throne of his glory, and so to give us the enjoyment of the greatest wealth to all eternity. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. Considering all these things, what a poor business will it be that those who hope to share these benefits yet cannot give something for the relief of a poor neighbour without grudging, when Christ did not grudge to shed his own blood for them. How unsuitable it is for us who live only by kindness to be unkind. So sort of to summarise, Edwards is teaching us that this is our indispensable duty to remember the poor and to give to their need, particularly poor believers, even more particularly those in our, our local congregation at Christchurch, but also more broadly to our neighbour and even our enemy. 
as Jesus teaches us in the parable of the Good Samaritan. That moves us to section three. Section three, truths to help us be generous. Let me give you some highlights. Firstly, consider that what you have is not your own. You yourselves are not your own, for you were bought at a price, and if you yourselves are not your own, so then neither are your possessions your own. They are only committed to you as stewards to be used for him who committed them to you. And this is picking up on the parable of the talents that Jesus gives. A steward has no business with his master's goods to use them any otherwise than for the benefit of his master and his family. So if instead of that he hoards up his master's goods for himself and withholds them from those of the household so that some of the family are pinched for want of food and clothing, he is therein guilty of robbing his master and embezzling his substance. It leads to the second thing. God tells us, that he shall look upon what is done in charity to our neighbours in want as done unto him, and what is denied unto them as denied unto him. It's Proverbs 19:17. He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord. Matthew 25, 40. Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Thirdly, Consider that there is an absolute necessity of our complying with the difficult duties of religion. He, he says to give to the poor in the manner and measure that the gospel prescribes is a, a difficult duty. Whoever has two coats, let him share it with the one who has none. Whoever has food must do the same. Uh, or, or even more poignantly, you think of the Good Samaritan. One of the implications is that we must love our enemies. If we're, you know, having been saved by grace. But how often he writes as Christ told us that if we will be his disciples, that we must sell all, take up our cross daily, deny ourselves, renounce our worldly profits and interests. Sell your possessions and give to the poor and by so doing you will lay out treasures in heaven. He says, the scripture teaches us that God will deal with us as we deal with our fellow creatures in this particular he says, this, uh, fifthly, this very thing is often mentioned in the scriptures, an essential part of the character of a godly man, primarily probably there, 1 John 3, 17 to 19. Uh, sixthly, I'll, I'll take a bit more time on this. Consider what abundant encouragement the word of God gives, that you shall be no losers by your charity and bounty to them who are in want. He writes, as, as there is scarce any duty prescribed in the word of God, which is so much insisted on as this, so there is scarce any duty to which there are so many promises of reward made. And he, and he goes on at length about this, but he takes it off Jesus' words who said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. To summarize what he says here, he says there's promises about eternal reward. If you give with a spirit of true charity, you shall be rewarded in what is infinitely more valuable than what you give, namely riches in heaven. Luke 12, 33 mentions this already. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. Um, uh, probably the, uh, the other book that's been most helpful to me on the subject of giving is um, called The Treasure Principle by Randy Alcorn. He gives the illustration of, you know, in in investment, if you can find a 10% re return, guaranteeing 10% return on your investment, you take it. You'd be a fool not to. Here it's like Jesus offers us a 
million percent return guaranteed on our investment because we receive riches in heaven. But then he also talks about how the scripture teaches us that even now being generous is, is actually simply wise. Proverbs 11.24, one person gives freely yet gains even more, another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper, whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Proverbs 28.27, those who give to the poor will lack nothing. And he goes on about this for a while. It's interesting. Again, Randy Alcorn points this out. He says, you know, it's not a, this is not a promise. This is not the prosperity. It's not give some money and you'll get tons in return. But, but it does seem to often be the case that when people give you know, with gospel priorities and generously to the poor, as they steward the talents that, and money that God has given them well, well, it would make sense, wouldn't it, that God would give them more. And he, was just, he just observed that many people find that an experience, that as they give, or one person described it like this, I'm shoveling out money, but as fast as I'm shoveling it out, God's shoveling it in. He has a bigger shovel than me. Now, that, we want to be careful here. This is not the prosperity gospel. How do we enjoy our riches? You enjoy your riches by giving them away, <laughs> um, not by keeping them for yourself, by storing up treasure in heaven. But it is a, the wise way to live that the Bible teaches us. And the opposite is true. Those who give to the poor will lack nothing, but those who close their ears to them receive many curses. Whoever shuts their ears to the cry of the poor will also cry out and not be answered. I remember reading that and thinking, gosh, Lord, maybe you're not answering some of my prayers because I'm not being generous to those around who are in need. To sum up this section, let me read 2 Corinthians 9, uh, verse 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly, will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your hearts to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. The final section is answering some objections. And uh, I'll only read you... Uh, a few of them. Firstly, objection. If I be liberal and bountiful, I shall only make a righteousness of it, and so it do me more hurt than good. In other words, what he's saying there is, the objection is, I'll do it to make myself feel better. I'll do it to check it off my religious to do this. I won't do it as I ought to do it. Therefore, maybe I shouldn't do it. And so to this, Edwards replies, you may as well make the same objection about doing any religious or moral duty at all. If this be a sufficient objection against deeds of charity, then it's a sufficient objection to prayer or anything else, like reading our Bibles or church or evangelism for that matter. It is no excuse. Objection. Some may object against charity to a particular person because they're an ill sort of person. He deserves not that people should be kind to him. He's of a very ill temper and ungrateful spirit, and particularly because he treated them badly in the past and does now. But Edward says, just think about the whole point of the parable of the Good Samaritan. If the Samaritan was neighbor to the distressed Jew, then Jews, by parity of reason, were neighbors to the Samaritans. Christ here plainly teaches that our enemies, those that abuse and injure us, are our neighbors, and therefore come under the rule of loving our neighbors as ourselves. And he commands us a new command I give you, love one another as I loved you, though an enemy. 
to make you a friend. Objection. Some may object from their own circumstances that they have nothing to spare. And to this he answers, it must doubtless be allowed that in some cases, by reason of their own circumstances, people are not obliged to give. Um, like common sense does, does prevail here. If, if they need money, then it doesn't make sense for them to give. But there are scarcely, he writes, any who may not make this objection as they interpret it. We are very good at, I suppose we might say, we're very good at living to our means. Rich men say they have not more than enough for themselves. And so if we all make this objection, there'll be none found to give to the poor. And so he said, look at the examples of the Macedonians, who out of their poverty, out of their severe trial, welled up in rich generosity. Objection. Some may object concerning a particular person that they do not know for certain whether he be an object of charity or not, they are not perfectly acquainted with his circumstances. They don't know how he came to be in want, whether it was by his own idleness or prodigality. Thus, they argue they cannot be obliged till they certainly know these things. Now, this is really important, friends. We, um, the Bible doesn't teach us to give money to those who are idle and will waste it. But, he, this is his answer to this. He says... Some people, we just don't know what's going on. He says, well, look at, look at Nabal. In 1 Samuel 25, he says, who is David? His objection to being generous towards David was that David was a stranger for him, to him, and he was a fool. And second, Edwards points out, probably more compellingly, that the very definition of hospitality is kindness to strangers. Hebrews 13, verse 2, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. And so as we close, there's a, there are many other objections. Um, I'm, I'm jumping over one really good one that I will mention, which is, he says, some may object that they, people have come into the want by their own fault. And he says, well, what do you mean by their own fault? If you mean that they lack the gift of being able to manage their affairs well, well, it, that's a gift of God. And if you have that gift and they don't, what a, what a better, what's, what could possibly be a better way of being great, showing gratefulness to God for that gift than to use that gift for the benefit of the one who does not have it? <laughs> it's just very challenging. Anyway, uh, I, will, I will stop there. He, he stops this paper quite uh, abruptly. Um, as we close, let me remind us of the title Give us some practical suggestions and then pray. The title was again this. It is the most absolute and indispensable duty of the people of God to give bountifully and willingly for the supply of the wants of the needy. He is particularly talking about here our brothers and sisters in Christ, particularly in our local church, but more broadly also to our neighbour and even to our enemy. Now I haven't said much about how to put this into practice. But we need to keep looking out for those in our, in our congregation, for those in need. It'd be great to be giving to local charities who are seeking to help the poor here. It'd be great to be giving to persecuted believers. We think of the work of Release International. It'd be great to give to organizations who seek to help those in greater need overseas. Um, there's a number that you could uh, give to. Compassion, Samaritan's Purse, GAFCON, the Anglican uh, communion we're, we're a part of. Uh, has a branch that that, that, that does this. Uh, our partner diocese is, Condura, is in Condura in Tanzania. Uh, many are living off less than $1.90 a day there. 
and it might be a great idea to try and get some money to Bishop Given. Um, you can find his email online. But let us close by praying. Lord God, we thank you so much again for how generous you have been to us in the Lord Jesus Christ, that you considered money mean things to give us and instead gave your one and only son and then your spirit to us who deserve nothing and could do nothing to repay you. Lord, you have shown us great grace and kindness. Please, Father, would you who have blessed us with every spiritual blessing, would you help us to be those who bless others with our physical blessings that you've given us? Please, Lord God, would you help us who live by kindness to be kind, who live by mercy, to be merciful. Father, please would you help us to do this hard duty of religion and to give sufficient for the needs of the poor around us in our congregation, in our communities. And uh, Lord, we ask that you might use us in little ways further afield as well. Lord, please in this, would you adorn the gospel? Might it lead to people being saved and coming to know the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ for themselves? But we ask it for our good and for your glory, that we may take hold of the life that is truly life. Amen.